Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Letterman Lounge at Roosters. This is Letterman Live. It's uh, snowy, cold out there, but we all survived to make it in here to talk about Ohio State football and so much more. That's Bobby Carpenter, Tyvis Powell back with us. Spencer Holbrook jumping in this week as Berm comes back from Florida and watching young dudes play some football, some seven on seven. I am Austin Ward. Bob, you know there's nothing better for Berm than going down there to see oh, know, yeah. guys throwing the, some young dudes throwing the pigskin around. We talk about a guy like Berm watching them throw and then waiting for them in the parking lot afterwards, cruising around, <laughs> creeping up, sliding that window down, like over here, buddy. Over here, like trying to get a, get some quotes from them, maybe have them hop in the passenger seat and they drive around a little bit, have some conversations. I mean, it's, 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 what also is amazing is the fact that they're doing seven on seven right now. Yeah. Down in Florida, as I look outside, and you got like one inch by one inch snowflakes. It definitely it it looked bad. It is, it's it's going to be a rough drive there. But you know what, Berm is Berm is a legend for a reason. He he gonna get the he gonna find the inside scoop and any recruit that you need to know about Berm go know. So Berm, shout out to you, Tyvis. Did you were you in that era yet where there was a bunch of seven on seven to go play uh, in the middle? Not of the like no. Nah, the only ones that we did was um. Like college ones, like the colleges they invite teams to come up there, and we just do it like that. But not like not like <laughs> what it is today. I tell you that it's ridiculous today. Yeah, it's different. Um, another what a great weekend. I wanted to start because Joe Burrow won another game, and that brought another round of I like to call revisionist history. <laughs> and it's you know we could probably we'll probably be talking about this forever, but I just. It gets me that like maybe the 2018 season didn't exist or the broken thumb in 2017 didn't exist. And all these people just keep saying, well, Ohio State messed this up. And <laughs> how did they not evaluate Joe Burrow properly? And look at look at Dwayne and what he's doing in the league. And this is so much different. And the transfer portal era, Joe Burrow took advantage of that when he wasn't even in the transfer portal. He was a graduate transfer. I just I can't process all the things that are wrong about what's going on with Joe Burrow and I think everyone in Columbus is thrilled for what he's doing. Absolutely. And they all wanted it to work out for him at Ohio State. Yeah. And he wanted it to work out. And then it's like, I just, I wanted to talk about this so that we could clear <laughs> the air about JT and Dwayne and Joe and what happened in 2017 and 2018 and 2016. Well, there's so much that they get wrong about Joe. The first thing they get wrong about Joe Burrow is the fact that he's not from Athens. He's from the Plains. Oh, come on. So there's one. He's from the Plains, dude. <laughs> uh, but when you talk about that entire... Tom, where are you from? <laughs> I was born in Lima. I'm from Roundhead, Ohio. Okay, exactly. Listen, Coach. I mean, I, I'm like four or five golf, golf clubs from down there. So, all right. We're good. <laughs> I just think, I think that was the least likely thing to be brought up was what part of Ohio Joe's <laughs> actually from. People are going to start talking about southeastern Ohio and try to delineate what is what. I mean, You've got to be from there to be able to talk about it. I'm not going to tell Tyvis what's in Cleveland and what's going on up there. Look, I just want to, there are all my viewers to know, you know. <laughs> 
the, the racist chief walk. Whoa, <laughs> that's a whole nother. Right. This is a classic but, hat. Yeah, this well, is a classic. That's not a guardian <laughs> hat. It's a classic hat. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Listen, the, the whole the Joe Burrow thing. Um, Clayton Bigsby, he was classic too. <laughs> Can I can I talk? <laughs> can I talk, please? Listen, the whole Joe Burrow thing is to me. Like I don't think that Ohio State was wrong for going with Dwayne Haskins over Joe, due to the fact that the only way you can really compare them is you have to go off of that season because obviously Dwayne had the one year and Joe was at LSU and he was the starting quarterback and Dwayne had better numbers. Now, people would say, you know, it's not fair because Dwayne's been in that system. He knew the playbook. Joe had to learn the playbook and stuff like that. I mean, that's true, but he still had his weapons there, right? They still had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, right? Okay, so I just felt like if we go to put it in Ohio State's eyes – the better quarterback in that year was Dwayne Haskins. I think what he threw fifty touchdowns that season or something yeah, like record. that. Broke the record. So Heisman Trophy fight. You can't really fault the coaching staff for going with that decision because Dwayne clearly showed up and showed out that season. So um I mean, once Joe got the playbook down at LSU, obviously the next season he balled. You can't really compare the two because Dwayne was already off in the NFL and Dwayne and Joe was still in college. So that's where when people bring that up to me, that's the my main point is that I don't think Ohio State made the wrong decision because Dwayne actually was the better quarterback that season. So, you know, here's the thing with this. And Urban Meyer is a very unique beast when it comes to evaluating people and, like, looking at things. And Tyvis knows. He what an understatement. Yeah. I mean, that's a buried the lead there. Uh, but Joe was the be- – people don't forget. It. Like, Joe was the backup, you know, coming out of training camp. You know, he'd been there. What did what did JT used to call him, Larry or something like that? No, he called him John. Was it John? Because 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 you know JT's real name is Joe. Yeah. So he didn't want to call him, him John. Joe. He okay. called him John. So John John Burrow, Joe's brother, and so he was JT's backup. He'd been in the system, playing through it, and he breaks his hand, and so right at the end of camp. right at the end of camp, and so then he's the back end of surgery in it, and this big lumpy meat hand. You know, they look gross. And if you watch anybody who's had surgery on their hand, like it looks like you got a tumor growing out the back. Like it's a golf ball that's playing in there and it slowly absorbs, but it looks nasty. <laughs> and so Joe had to deal with that all year. And so he goes from being the backup. He kind of grinded his way to get to that point to be the backup. The heir apparent to JT breaks his hand. And then all of a sudden in 2017, JT goes down against the team up north playing Michigan. So you got to throw Dwayne in there and it's a third and seven. And he comes in, and I forget who it was too. Austin Mack. Austin, Austin Mack. Mack delivers that strike, like a skinny post, little dig, hits him, and like, boom, chains move. All of a sudden, they go down and they score, and it's like, all right, this is the dude. And so the, Joe is going to like have a hard time overcoming that because Urban saw that, like, this dude's a player. Look at what he did. You know, in that particular, in game. this moment, you put him in in the biggest moment. And Tyvis said, "Like that's, that's what he was all about judging people. Like in critical moments, yes, you was. resort to your training, Tyvis. Yeah, that's correct. You resort to your training. You was there. Oh, I looked, I, looked there. <laughs> I was. I probably spent more hours in the Woody Hayes than you did listening to all this stuff and Mick and like this. Hey, when you get to a critical moment, you resort to your basic level of training. That's a fact. And that's and that's where uh, you know they put Dwayne in. Like you couldn't ask for a more at, like adverse situation. You're going in in the biggest game." Of, the career, of your career, it's the first 
time you've ever played. You haven't thrown a pass. It's freezing cold. And you're going to go in there on a third and seven and convert. And, like, they didn't just run a draw. It was like, hey, we're just going to, like, get out of this. Hopefully he doesn't throw a pick. He delivers that strike to Mac. Boom. Chains move. Let's go. And so in his mind at that point, Urban Meyer's looking at him like, this dude's, this dude's the guy. And so I don't know if there was anything that Joe could have done in practice. Because he – and he honest, did a lot of things. I think we're going to get. I know, to that this I'm going to tell you. And, and I watched in spring ball. Joe I watched was, spring Joe ball was better. Too. Joe was better than Dwayne. He was. Dwayne, no, he really was. Dwayne throws a throws a better ball. He throws one of the prettiest balls you ever see. But Tavis can tell you, there's a lot of dudes in the NFL that throw pretty balls, and like some are good and some aren't. They're you know, right? That pretty ball to come right to you because <laughs> <laughs> they don't see what's going on. But Joe, like I remember watching, they're working red zone. And he's sitting there. They're doing like two verticals on the inside, and he sits there and he takes the. And I, I was talking to one of the free safeties. I'm like, hey, man, follow their eyes, jump the routes until they prove to you that they can actually go here and throw back across. And we were talking about it like a couple days before that, and then that next day, Joe sits there and gives him one of these and then bangs it right on the – he starts breaking. I'm like, all right, well, you got to play straight now. <laughs> when those dudes can do that, that's when you get to that point. Like, Joe was moving you guys with his eyes. Safety, huh? Well, I mean, listen, until they prove it to you, Tyler, I'm like, go take advantage of no, these young right. guys. That's what they and, – and that's why Dwayne struggled in early in the NFL because they said that he, st- he stared at his down receivers guys. and they just literally went to where he was going. So guys, he, he's right. They'll see that in the NFL on tape all day long. And so Joe was doing great things. Like man, he's and he's a better athlete for what Urban wanted to do coming off JT, who like ran the ball seventeen times a game. Like Dwayne wasn't trying to run the ball at all. <laughs> Joe would Joe will tuck it and pull it down, and he would run it. Like and he's a better athlete than what people give him credit for. And yeah. He's big and he's physical. Like he's not as big as Josh Allen, but he has some of those same you know, characteristics and traits. And so Urban could never get past that. And I think you know from my understanding of what happened, talking to a lot of people on the all six sides of the hexagon or whatever the heck it was because everybody had his take on this it's like hey and they always will like joe like you could if joe hadn't wanted to leave now he'd been fine he could have stayed another year and battled it out but then it's like you're a grad transfer i can leave now and play right away for two years if i stay and i don't then i i don't know how he would have transferred he had to sit out it would have been a mess and so he had to go in like hey and, and Urban, you couldn't promise him he's going to be the starter. Like, mm-hmm. promise him he's even going to be number one. And so I understand Urban. Like, we can't promise that. Joe's saying, okay, well, I need to do what's best for my career. This guy's really good. I get it. It's tight. But if I don't leave now, I'm never going to have a shot. And he had gotten to the point where I felt like, hey, you know, I mean, the real loser in all of it was Scott Frost, who said no <laughs> dice and was like, I don't, I don't, I'm going to stick with Martinez and we're good. And that was probably the worst decision. He's the only one that really took the L out of this. But like, that's how it happened. It wasn't some situation, you know. And Joe, the other thing too is the revisionist history is like, oh, Joe was some four star, five like high dude. He was like barely a four. He got his four star when he got offered at Ohio State. Like Joe, he's he was accurate, but he did not have a strong arm. He wasn't very big. He's not the like man you see out there playing now. That throw this comment out. I talked to a coach who didn't offer him at another Big Ten school, and when he saw him here, it was like that's that noodle armed kid from Athens, skinny <laughs> noodle armed kid. That he's like, I didn't think he'd play for me. Yeah, he's like, he looks like a dude now. I'm like, yeah, but that's like how that whole process happened. And so the revisionist history is easy. Like, oh yeah, you know, Joe should have started. They made the wrong choice. Well. There was just a lot of things on every side. And the, like you said, the, the situation of how you could transfer, how you could move was far different then than it is now. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Spencer. When you look at you know Joe and Dwayne and who made the right decision, they were both first-round picks. The yeah. NFL scouts looked at both of those guys in different years, obviously, 
NFL scouts looked at Dwayne Haskins and said, that's a first-round pick. And they looked at Joe Burrow and said, that's a first-round pick. You know, he's the first overall. Looked at Daniel Jones and said, that's a first-round exactly. pick. Exactly. <laughs> These well, guys don't yeah, do that. I want to just – They looked at Josh Rosen. But they looked at Joe Burrow after his first year at LSU, and they said, well, that's a sixth-round pick. Absolutely. And so when you when you look at what Dwayne was able to do and accomplish and, and get to the point where he was a surefire first-round pick, there was he was not getting past all the NFL teams. That was – I mean – you can't get better than that unless you're the first overall pick. And, yeah. and that know, was Joe. And Joe was, but <laughs> like he said, after that first year, yeah. he was a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. And he was like that. That guy is going to go to the NFL. No, he's going to come back because maybe he could be a a third or fourth round pick if he comes back and has a good year. Mm. Well, he had the best year ever. Yeah. And so the the revisionist history, it, you don't even need to go back that far to see that NFL teams, the same NFL teams, said that both these guys were first round picks. What I love is how, like, and the reason that I bring it up is that it came from not just, like, people talking over the weekend about Ohio State not giving it, but, like, this narrative from people around another quarterback who may have been here for a couple months and left and, like, work with him and say, oh, this guy, you know, Ryan Day thought that Joe Burrow was a fourth-string quarterback and passed him up on that. Um, That's not what anybody thought (laughs) at any point. No, actually, when I came back and seen him in the spring of 2016, I think. Yeah, I had left, and then I came back, and I watched him. I said, he might win the highest one day because he just – Joe had this – he got this swag about it. So he's just a confident dude, like, and it's – he just really can see that he'll go out to battle and just put it all out on the line. And it's like – that's the type of quarterback that you that you want your franchise to build around because guys he he has the ability to get guys to play for him like oh I go I do anything for that guy that so that's the type of type of factor he has that swagger we all see that 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 big Joe energy that's working for Cincinnati big Joe big energy Joe I like energy. that you need to, you need to phrase that <laughs> it definitely did, didn't he? <laughs> like, but for me like and covering it and being around him and watching him develop that part was always there Tyvis but I couldn't understand why. Like that swagger wasn't matching up to what Bobby's saying. Like we could see that the arm strength wasn't there yet. Physically, he had a lot of maturing to do uh, to be able to withstand a lot of the running that he, you know, Urban may have been asking him to do if he was in that offense. And I just, I would see it and like it didn't make a ton of sense to me. So I guess it's because I didn't go watch a ton of games in Athens or the Plains or wherever you want to call it. <laughs> um, you know, I knew you about watch one. In the I shoot. knew about the exploits in that game. Did you know about the game where they had? Uh, they was up by like eighty some points in the fourth quarter, and they were still out there five wide slinging the ball. Well, oh, just yeah. you know, trying to get him that offer. So I was State. like, <laughs> I asked Joe about that when he got. I said, "You y'all was trying to score hundred points." He said, "Yeah, we was trying to run it up." I said, "Wow, yeah. y'all are ruthless." So and he, but he always had that mentality, and I just, I was more of a Joe Burrow skeptic than maybe most people. I won't speak for them around here. I just couldn't see it at that point. There was a change. In, in 17, and certainly that spring battle where I was like, okay, the pieces are starting to come together. He throws the, d- the deep balls in the spring game. Like This decision is much tougher than I thought it was because going in, the things that Bobby talked about with Dwayne having the backup reps throughout the season when Joe Burrow was hurt, coming in in the game, I knew that that was likely the way Urban was going to decide was to err on the side of that experience and that that was going to be the choice. And that Joe Burrow, to his credit, coming back to go through that battle, knowing that it may be an uphill climb, to perform the way he did in that spring game, you know, it doesn't matter that he changed my mind, but I I knew how close they were and why Urban or Ryan Day weren't going to be able to go into May and say, 
this is over. Like those were two very good guys, and it was, you know, I think other people are frustrated with, well, why didn't either one of them play ahead of JT the year before? <laughs> that's and all that's, <laughs> and that's a whole nother deal. <laughs> that's a whole nother uh, deal. JT's a legend. He is. I, no, happy belated, JT. It is. Yeah, his birthday. What was he? Sunday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So happy birthday to him. He, here's honestly, because Joe Burrow's first year at LSU, we talk about he struggled. You know what? It all changed, and this is where people get in where like bowl games don't matter. I don't know if you remember that he threw a pick, I want to say, in that bowl game God. and goes back and like yeah. sm- hits the dude, bloodies his whole face. Like, I mean, dude, his helmet pops off. He's got like, blood coming out. And he's just, I mean, you're playing in like meaningless bowl game. And he goes back out there and like puts some stuff in it and leads them. They go and win the game. And he's got like blood <laughs> all over the place, cotton all over his mouth and stuff. And I honestly think like, because you say, why do you guys play with him? Play for him, like you look at a dude like that. I'm it's like, you, he got right, absolutely man. demolished, smoked. I've no, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback get hit as hard. He got blindsided down the sideline. I don't know. When I, I saw that, I was like, I think Joe's done. I seen the Kurt Warner's last hit in the NFL was pretty bad. <laughs> well, well, if it was his last one, that's <laughs> no. It was. It's not even. It was that bad. If y'all ain't never seen it, he threw a pick. And they, they, it was. If y'all ain't seen to go look up Kurt Waters last, it was woo-wee. I guess to get us back on onto Joe and the the you know revisiting everything is like when he transferred. I don't think he was like the most coveted guy you know in the world. He went to LSU, a, a quarterback graveyard where they quarterbacks don't have success there. You know, Nebraska said no to him. Other schools, you He's, know, I, you know, he was seriously considering Cincinnati. Yeah, Scott Frost wasn't alone. There were there were plenty of Power 5 schools that, you know, looking back were like, "Oh, you passed up on the 2019 Heisman Trophy winner." No, they passed up on a guy who hadn't proven much aside from practice at Ohio State, mm-hmm. who's transferring out to find a way to play. And like you said, he almost went to Cincinnati, who we can talk about Cincinnati now as a playoff caliber team, back-to-back undefeated regular seasons, but that was a team that, you know, wasn't there yet. I yeah. think they were four and eight or, or six and six or, or in that realm right after that season. And Joe almost went there. So it's not like everyone was lining up to, to you know, get into the Joe Burrow sweepstakes. He yeah. went to LSU and people said, well, his career is over because at the time it was a quarterback graveyard where quarterbacks did not have success there. They were a bri- byproduct of the defense and the running game and all the great wide receivers they had. Quarterbacks yeah. did not have success there until Joe. That's a fact. The other way it played out, and I guess you can decide which one you would rather have. <laughs> if you had Dwayne for a year and Joe Burrow had stuck it out and then you got him for one year with no guarantee that he would have been the Heisman Trophy winner that year, but certainly trending in the right direction for Ohio State. Well, that means that you don't have Justin Fields for two years after that. So I guess that's the question. Like Ohio State still pretty much got the best, in my opinion, and the best way it could have played out. I think without, see, while knowing that you still don't have what Joe Burrow did in nineteen. Well, I think the, the 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 problem is everybody looks at them now. They look at they comparing Joe Burrow to Dwayne now. Right. Like Joe, look at this. Joe is doing this with Cincinnati, and Dwayne is a backup at Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I think that's where their mind at. Like, how in the world did it did Dwayne win the starting spot over Joe? And it's like. Well, to the university, it's like I would have went with the Dwayne one because we had Dwayne for a year, Justin for two, yeah, all great seasons. So we we actually came out on top of that. Where LSU has fell down, and I don't even know what they <laughs> what they doing now. So I think that when you put it in note, yeah, when you put it in the terms of <laughs> university, like I think Ohio State made the right decision. 
You looking for me to yeah, weigh in on whether, <laughs> whether or not the decision was right? I mean, through the prism of history, would you maybe have made a different choice? Possibly. Yeah. At that point in time, I think it was probably as difficult a decision as it would have been to make. I can't say, knowing the information that I knew at the time, I can't say I'd make a different one. Right. And so that's how I try to look. Everyone wants to try to look at all this with all this stuff now. Well, yeah, in the time machine world, I would definitely make different decisions. Well, every, yeah. But everybody's like, well, look at all, well, you didn't know all that. You only knew what you saw on the field. So I understand, you know, Urban, the one thing that was interesting, and I, I find this to be very intriguing, because Tom Herman had just left and Ryan Day came in, yep. is if Tom Herman hadn't left, would he have, because they, all the rumor was Joe Burrow was Tom Herman's guy. Wait, wait, wait. Tom Herman had left two years. Before. The year before, yeah, two years so before. So this was Beck. Beck had came. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You're correct. But Tom Herman, like, was the guy who brought him in. Yeah. And so if it was, and I understand, yeah, that's right. Beck, I forgot. I've, like, erased the Beck his, and Warner. His, in- <laughs> his incredible impact. Trust me. Yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a very, 2015 was a very frustrating season offensively. Did it, me, be, me, me being on the defensive side of the ball, it was a lot of um, you don't say anger. We no. was we was really. I think you know about the situation for those quarterbacks too. But even <laughs> if, if Tom would have stayed and not not have ever left, or even Becker Warner, and I don't know if they could have persuaded Urban, but Tom maybe, because Tom wanted he liked to run the quarterback a little bit more, and I'm curious to see if he would have tried to push that on Urban because Joe's ability to run as opposed to Dwayne's lack of real desire and he wasn't quite the runner joe was but just he, he didn't really want to run be a pocket quarterback and that's fine but if you're in a quarterback where you just watch jt run the ball 15 times a game for four years like okay we're making a pretty sharp deviation and ryan was fine with that because that's the offense more than he wanted to run anyway yeah and so i just look at that and try to figure out like okay if the, he would have been still here at this time and they would have been doing the same stuff if he might not have pushed urban like hey this guy's great but if we're doing this we're not going to be running it, and that's what we've always wanted to do. And that's what you want to do, Urban. Right. And so I, I'm just curious to see how that conversation would have went. And it's just you know it, everything comes full circle. And if you know if Ohio State beats Clemson in 2019 and goes to play LSU in that national championship game, this entire conversation might be shifted because yeah, right. Joe might not have won a national championship, or you know that defense could have rattled him. Or the whole, the entire Joe Burrow conversation could have changed. You know, really based on that Ohio State Clemson game in yeah. 2019, and so it all really does come. Ohio State was the only team that could have beat LSU. That year. I believe so, that 100. percent I think that's correct. If you're using that time machine, you're not going back to change Ohio State's quarterback battle. You're you're helping the official uh, <laughs> sitting in Birmingham somewhere watching a game, Glendale, <laughs> Arizona, helping him understand that Jeff Okuda had actually just scored a touchdown and that that game was over. Oh my God, I forgot about that. I always just look at the targeting, but yeah, no, I look. It's the Okuda one that was just—I could not believe they did that. Uh, that was fun. That's look that's what I opened up. Another fun stroll down memory lane. Thanks for that, Spencer. Um, tomorrow, you don't need a time machine. You just have to plan ahead to come get your fried mushrooms on Appetizer Tuesday. Ooh. Justin's Wick's favorite. Right, not even here to not eat even him. here for it. Look at that. I think he's actually Bill Zwick's favorite. His dad. Okay. Well, I don't know. Jay Z will eat all the appetizers. That's he right. will. They're two dollars. <laughs> he's tomorrow. actually in the back eating them right now. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we'll get him out for the second half of the show. We're gonna regroup a little bit. Uh, we're gonna be right back with a lot more Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. It's a fun casual joint. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun casual joint, but the truth is, it is so much more. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind. It's a front row seat to the big game. 
It's a place where you will always find a friendly face. And the home of wings so big you won't believe it. It's your family's other dinner table. So yeah, we're a lot of things to a lot of people. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Precision engineering. Rigorous attention to detail. A Bryant Evolution heating system is so well designed, it's as much of a joy to install as it is to use. Good to go. For the dealer nearest you, visit Bryant.com. All right, welcome back into Roosters. Rolling right along here. Talk a little bit more about current Ohio State activities now with uh, school is back in session, been in session for a couple weeks. You've seen portals going on and groups mm. brought in. But now it's about time. The roster starts to solidify. Late January, Mickey Marotti starts to get his clutches into guys. Mm. It's about his that bang, time. Gets his hooks into <laughs> dudes. Hooks in. What's what is going on now in the Woody? What's the first stage of uh, winter workouts? The first stage is that first week back. You know, they ease you back in there. It's all light work, all light, lightweight work. They want to feel great. It's yeah, you know, they don't want to kill you the first day. You know, light. Just you come in here, get your little lift. You know, blah blah blah. That next week, start turning it up a little bit. Turn it up a little bit. Now you're starting to get the the mad drills start to come out. Um, you got Thursday run Monday, Monday and Thursday. You got um drills in the afternoon. Wednesdays is mat drills. And then when you get to February, that's when you start seeing them videos of the weight room and stuff. You get to that Valentine's Day and that Harley Davidson. It's just like it, it, you really that right there is going to let you know if college football is for you. Like, <laughs> it, 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 no, seriously, you really have a come to Jesus moment. Like, is this really what I want to do? Because they literally are trying to kill you in there. And it's <laughs> it's, it's it should be illegal. That's what they what they doing in there for sure. But you got through it. Well, I'm a, I'm a grown man, okay. so <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely gonna make a man. You are gonna get your manhood tested during these these couple of months. So, a cream rise to the top. Just for people that haven't been through it, I just think they like understanding the work that's being put on. When you're saying you find out if college football's for you, like the pads aren't on. Not even. You're not doing that. You ain't even there yet. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's. It's the mental, like it's it's the mental capacity that you have, like not intelligence wise, just how much are you willing to take as a human being to do something over and over again? And you're gonna have to do this, and you, obviously you're starting to get sore, especially up here. It's cold, feeling terrible, like you're just angry at the world. It doesn't feel nice, and then you got to wake up early in the morning, and go and do this, and they grind and they're yelling at you all the time, and it's the only way to really improve and to find out what exactly these people are all about. It's a it's a it's a crazy deal, um, you know. When you hear it, when you see it, but it's uh, like and this and this is where like society and football like diverge, and so everybody wants to sit here and like romanticize how great it is for this and how awesome it is. Types telling these stories about how you know you feel like you're gonna die. And then at the other breath, we're like, oh, you can't be too hard on these guys, you know. You got <laughs> we, we coach them too hard, you know. It's this and that. That's and where like, is that now? You can't you can't develop tough men without making it tough for the men. That's a fact. All right, like if you just want to go lay in a massage parlor all day, man, you ain't gonna be 
tough and tough and dry, like and, and greased up, man. I mean, you'll be lubed up in a different way, but you're not going to be <laughs> someone who is battle hardened and ready to go. And that's might the, be battle hardened too. Well, that's a whole nother deal. But you're not you're not going to be able to fight a battle like that. I mean, there's a whole nother deal. And so that's what time is to sit there. You think about the stuff you've gone through that prepared you to be able to get through some of those difficult things. And then Bobby to think about how the season ended. You know, with the team up north oh. game, like I. It's, they gonna yeah. turn it up, so it's gonna be magnifying what I'm talking about. The forty-two twenty-seven aspect of that, with with winter workouts starting and fresh off a, a loss that comes once a decade, like you didn't go through that, really, <laughs> uh, Bob. Huh. Huh. Bob, you've been out of the program, and and I know you work out a lot there, but like, how much do you think that's going to be, you know, magnified? I mean, when they lost to Clemson. They made it out to be like they had just, you know, lost a major battle of World War II. It is. Looking bleak. No, it is that. I mean, <laughs> that, that, so imagine, you know, losing your playoff hopes, losing your title hopes on a, a loss in the game. I, I don't even want to know how amplified th- this well, winner is going to be. I, I think well, anytime that somebody attacks the program and says that, I just they're not physical, you know. They didn't want it. Mm. I think Coach Mick takes that very personally because that's like a direct reflection to him. Because he literally, to me, is the heart and soul behind that that whole program. Like you spend so much time with Coach Mick and him developing you and him putting you in these tough situations because they want to see if you mentally gonna break. Like they, that's the, what is they te- what is they breaking point? Can we get them to quit? And it's, it's literally seemed like it's an everyday thing. And to to hear another team come out and say, yeah, they didn't want it. We we made, we got the best of them. They wasn't physical. Like Coach Mick is probably pissed off about that. And so I would imagine that this would be a very interesting offseason where he's really going to weed out the week. Are you saying that they were on third and now they're going back to first? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you got to go back to the basics sometimes. It's just trying to figure out, like, as we were talking a little bit in between, about who wants to be there and why do you want to be here? You like, do you like being a part of Ohio State? And, you know, as Mel Tucker, the head coach at Michigan State now when I was here, he used to ask if you were just here for the comp tickets in per diem or are you here to be a contributor? <laughs> you know, like, hey, you, you take her or you give her? Like, what are you doing in the program? And so there, there's that element of it when you sit here and, and talk about it. Like, there's guys who, like, man – They've been stroked off by Berm in those parking lots long enough. They <laughs> they get to Ohio State and they've been told they're the greatest and how many stars they have and all this stuff. Hey, you get there like, dude, the stars don't matter. Like, you can't throw stars out in a game and that gets you a victory. Like, you can't convert those to points. You have to go get stops. You have to go make plays. You have to block. You have to tackle. And that all starts in the winter with developing your body. And then a lot of it is just developing your mind of being able to do things you didn't think you were capable of doing. And that's why as we sit here like on the heels of the divisional round playoffs and you see some of these guys lose, they look so dejected because they poured so much into it for the last year. And you get to the point, you're like, it's done. And you, you, you don't know what to do. And so that, that's like the feeling you have, like the emptiness where it's, it's just over and like, all right, well, we're, we're starting back over again. You're like, oh, and you know everything that you poured into it to get to that point. It is a massive amount. And then you got to go, if you if it didn't work out, now you got to go do that same thing but and more. then more. Yeah. Because it's like, I need to do more. What could I have done? A lot of people at the end of the seasons is like, what could I have done better? Now I need to be better for this next season because I can't make that same mistake. I can't regress. I have to only get better. 
So all that tough stuff that I'm talking about, like we had to do it again. Like so, in 2014, we won it. We won it in 2015-14, and we gotta go through all that again plus more. Because now, especially if I'm coming off of a national championship, you think you just we the greatest thing ever. Like we we got half the team is back. All the, the chase, all the key contributors is back. We didn't we didn't did it. The so grind. that whole off season was about no, y'all got to do it again. Like we y'all think it was hard the first time is. Nobody has really done it back to back, so and so that's where it's like, man. So it was a that that next one was bad too. Ooh wee! <laughs> I was thinking about it, like players that emerge out of winter workouts that happens, and the one that I always yes. comes to mind is Darren Lee, where we spent those of us that cover the team and are projecting the roster spent no time saying Darren Lee is going to be the first string strong side linebacker. When, pra- when spring ball starts. And there he was because of what we were told, and you were went through this so you yeah. could know better than anybody, what, what happened in January and February meant that he would get the opportunity in March. Didn't yes. mean that that was done, but he got to go out there first. So, yeah. like, why why was that? Well, it, it's, it's pretty similar. What, what D. Lee did was pretty similar to what I had went through. He, he literally kind of followed the same story that I had because when I redshirted my year, you know, the year after that, going into that offseason, they was telling me you need to transfer because you're not gonna play here. <laughs> That's yeah, that it was it was a tough conversation. I was really sad. So <laughs> <laughs> because like you say, like we was talking about off camera, I think I got when I got here, I was complacent with the fact of being here. Yeah. Like I in high school, I worked my butt off to get here. And when I got here, it was like I achieved my goal. I didn't think to reset my goal. Yeah. So I kind of fell into the complacency thing. But after I had that that terrible conversation about me about to get transferred up out of here, I went back to what I know, and I started working hard, doing the extra lifts, doing the extra film sessions, getting with Coach Mick. Hey, what can I work on? So when that springtime came, spring ball came for me in 2013, I think that would have been, I was announced to start nickel. And uh, the, the pure joy in that was in the weight room, I remember Coach Mick was like, Right there. He's going to be the start nickel this year. And when y'all see him, y'all make sure y'all respect him and y'all congratulate him because he earned this the right to be the start nickel. He literally bust his A every day in here. And I was like, you know, it's a, it's a good feeling. And You a gold gripper? I was. There you go. I was. <laughs> you don't get that opportunity in March without being in gold, right? <laughs> so, so the funny thing is the irony was I think the next year D. Lee comes in and, you know, D. Lee was like a quarterback. He was a real skinny yep. dude. And sure he ended up going through that same type phase. Like, you need to get bigger, stronger, faster. And he did that. And he was so mad, like, like because everybody kind of doubted him, that when he went out there for spring ball, he was just – it was amazing to watch the things that D. Lee was doing out on that field. I remember he hit Dontre Wilson so hard, and it was the craziest thing. Dontre Wilson got like a jet sweep, and we on – it's like goal line. And he got to the literally to the one yard line inches, and D. Lee met him right there, smacked him. He didn't get it. I could not believe he did not score. <laughs> and Dontre was like, Dontre was never he was low key sleep off the hit though. He was like, <laughs> like he got up and was like stretching and like like he was sleep. <laughs> I was like, wow. So yeah, that's a long story, but that's that's your ass. We're here for long stories. Hey, now we know what Tyvis said when he was running out. The, Nash, the Sugar Bowl. Remember when you guys told me that I Res- needed to transfer? Look Res- at me run. Respect- yeah. <laughs> well, 
Listen, everybody, Seven Banks did the same thing in the same arena, and nobody said a thing to him. <laughs> it's I think it's when you go play in the Sugar Bowl, it is Ohio State tradition that you, if you get an interception in the, in, in the end zone, you have to take it out. I, no matter what's at stake. Listen, the game was on the line, and I did it. If I did it, there, there is no excuse terrible. for nobody else to not do it. That's terrible. the law. That's <laughs> terrible. Decision. Those are the rules. I, I kind of did make it. <laughs> terrible decision. Spencer, who's somebody who could emerge out of January and February into March that you're and it's in a starting spot that may be open? I think it's a Mecca Ibuka. Um, oh, I know that great you talk about the wide receiver room, it's loaded. You know, you know, it's, e- it's an easy spot to pick. But then you look at the guys who are coming back, and, and you talk about Julian Fleming in year three and Marvin Harrison after the Rose Bowl performance and Jackson Smith and Jacobs coming back. But Emeka Ibuka is not your average receiver when it comes to the way he's built. He's built like a slot guy. He plays outside because he's so agile and, mm-hmm. and has the ability to do it all. And when you get a weapon like that in your offense, it can absolutely change everything you do. And I think he's more like Garrett Wilson than people give him credit for in the way he moves, the, the way that he can he can bend and, and jump and get out of the gym. And so I think if he takes those steps from being a return specialist and a, and a backup wide receiver and he's, everything starts to click, I think he could be – you know, the number one or the number two wide receiver option right up there with Jackson Smith and Jigwood because he has that ability. Mm. If he can put it together and everything clicks in the offseason, I really think that's a guy who can be a breakout guy heading into March. Mm. Bob, you got an eye on anybody? Yeah, I'm going to look at a guy who highly recruited guy and probably the most physically gifted of all the guys in his room. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how they use him, how they kind of move some stuff around in this new defense with Jim Knowles. But Mitchell Melton. You know, he's coming off the injury. He's pretty healthy. He had a really, you know, a number of long time ago. So he should be pretty <laughs> healthy and be able to participate rather fully in most of the offseason activities. And he's the one linebacker that you look at is checking the boxes where he's, you know, 6'2", 6'3", plus, can run. Uh, he's big. He's physical. He, like, he has all the physical traits that you would like to see. And so hopefully a nice full spring rehab he's getting bigger he's stronger like he has everything you need and i think for ohio state to be able to have the success they want next year they're going to need to have him play well mm. that's a, that's actually a great pick two great picks that is great I, the I, standard I, is the standard <laughs> tyvis Woo, that is a good pick <laughs> you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna go court williams Oof. i'm gonna go court williams because I, I i just like his size and i like his attitude and his demeanor to the game um we got to see him in the Utah game, and he did okay. Um, you could tell that it was kind of like his getting his feet wet type thing. But now that it's a new new defensive scheme and all that, I want to see how they utilize him because I feel like he's too good of an athlete and too good of a football player to not be on the field. So it'll be interesting to see if I don't know if I don't know if he can beat Ronnie Hickman out because Ronnie was amazing at, at safety this year. Um, but to put him at a maybe an outside linebacker or something like that, you know, maybe he could be effective there. But I I would like to see him on the field because I think he can really be a huge asset for this Buckeyes defense because he just got that demeanor and he he wants to to be great. Does he have a nickname, Bob? Jailhouse. Yeah, Jailhouse. <laughs> uh, that was on his twenty. That was on his little scouting thing. <laughs> <laughs> I helped recruit a meeting with him. Him and Cody Simon, his families. You know, their families that came through. Elite families, Tyvis. Elite families, Tyvis. <laughs> J- jailhouse. Not good. Great. Yeah. 
Jailhouse. What was his other nick? He had like three nicknames on there. I was like, so who's this? Apollo Creed? I mean, like, how many nicknames can one man have out of high school? But Jailhouse was the one that I definitely remembered because I looked at him like, dude's a safety. He's got like an eighteen inch neck in high school. And I told him like, you mentioned an outside linebacker. I'm like, bro, why why are we fighting this? I'm telling you, he go he he might be. Listen, if D Lee could go from playing a quarterback to an outside linebacker, oh, he, he could do it. He's easily. bigger than D Lee was when he got here. Like, That's he, my point. He's, <laughs> he is in starve mode to stay at two twenty. I mean, it's a bad, <laughs> bad situation. I mean, were you here when uh, Brendan White – did you play with Brendan White at all? Did you? No, I wasn't here with So he was after – like, Brendan should have been an outside linebacker. But due to, like, depth and all this crap, they're moving around, wide receiver and safety. And, like, he was – like, he was starving himself, basically, to stay at that weight. I'm like, why don't we just lean into it and put him an outside backer? Right. He can be 230 and be a fast, athletic outside linebacker. It's crazy that that's the new thing. Yeah. Well, then if, they, you, they, if you still have some of that speed where you can cover, like that's yeah, a, he'd be a great guy. He'd have all like okay, so you're not quite as fast, and maybe you don't move quite as well. Well, you're not as what we're asking you to do is drop down a a, a, a athletic position, so you don't necessarily need all that. Now you have more than you ever needed, and you don't have to just be borderline anorexic trying to play football. <laughs> I've never seen DB. Well, when I was here, none of our DBs actually had to starve themselves to make weight. Oh. We, we was all <laughs> got to eat. To, you're <laughs> trying to give some food to Bradley Rogan. <laughs> please eat something. Like, so, Christian Bryant, can you have a meal, please? I'm telling you, we was all, we was all on there. Listen, let me just drink some of these Gatorades to make my weight because I that that eating stuff just not going to happen. <laughs> That's what You didn't play like that. C. Grant when he was here, man. C. He was he, he went big. from corner to linebacker. He went from safety to <laughs> linebacker, or that go safety to corner to linebacker back to corner again, <laughs> and then or no, he went to corner then back to linebacker. Like he played corner his junior year before I got here, and he was like two twenty. I mean, it was insane. <laughs> what is this? It was because he could run. He'd, he could still run a four four. He just he could, his change of direction, his COD wasn't great when you're trying to guard a guy that's a buck eighty. I'm like, dude, you're giving up forty pounds on this guy. I don't care how athletic you are, you can't move as quick as he does. Can I name one more guy? Well. Do I get to Spencer? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I can't believe that you just let me do it because Donovan Jackson. Oh, absolutely. That's who I was gonna, so uh, I had to do it because I knew you were going to yeah. say him to take my turn. I mean, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't emerge uh, from you know March and April as the starting right guard for Ohio State. And I think that it's really helpful for them to actually not have to go into the four August, tackle like, offense, figuring out. Yeah, let's be done with the four tackles for Ohio State. Yeah, but true. also that you might might or or should or could know who the five are with Paris Johnson at left tackle and Matthew Jones back at left guard, Luke Whipler getting into his second year. So you really only, in my mind, only Where do you looking. put the Harry in? Well, if he comes back strong from that, you know, knee injury and that setback. Center. It, maybe you got a competition there pushing Luke Whipler. I think it's going to be hard to to remove Whipler at this point. And Harry Miller has still never played center at, at that level. So if he's in the mix, I think it would be more at right guard against Donovan Jackson. Or, or Matthew Jones, but I, I, it's hard for me right now, coming off the injury and with, you know, sort of that lost year to ex- put that much expectation on Harry Miller. We'll see. I mean, it's it's nice to have options. We'll see what transpires in those practices. But I mean, Donovan Jackson is a a special looking athlete. Um, I think makes the most out of January and February. The, the reason, I mean, they tried to get him on the field a lot and giving him that jersey and 
tackle eligible and all that stuff. You do that. That's a reason for that for the true freshman and that you think he can help. So we'll see what transpires there. But that's where I've got my eye on him. Did you have another one or are we? No, Donovan Donovan Jackson. Jackson, It's not very often that a guy is listed as a guard and is still a top 15 overall prospect. You know, those those five stars are usually reserved for the tackles. And it doesn't happen very often you get a guard in that mix for the top 15, top 10 guys overall in the country. Donovan Jackson was so good that, you know, he did play tackle, but he was listed as a guard. And they still managed to put him in that top 10, top 15 in the recruiting services because he was was simply that good in Mm. high school. There are some updated recruiting rankings that on three. You can check those out today. Are those worth anything? Because I'm watching Josh Allen and Cooper Cup out here dominate. Dudes who nobody wanted coming out. Nobody wanted Josh (laughs) Allen? Excuse me. Okay. No. Excuse me. Look what you've done, Bob. Mm. Somebody wanted him. Who? Wyoming. And they developed the hell out of him and made him into the greatest quarterback in all the game, robbed of an opportunity Whoa. to win the game yesterday. Whoa. The, hold on. Say, terrible that, overtime. say that one more time, Doug. What? The greatest quarterback in the game, Josh oh. Allen. In the game last night. Anywhere. The, we might we might need to oh, wrap this up. <laughs> that, that is, that's blasphemy right there. It's just facts. It's just wow. Fact. Did you watch him? I did, but my Wow. So Tom Brady just—I watched Tom Brady play this weekend too. Did you see the comeback? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Josh Allen would have done that? I just watched Josh Allen play a, two perfect games. Listen, he wasn't down. Twenty—he was down twenty-seven to three. He was down with thirty seconds left. He was down twenty-seven to three. Yeah. See what you did, Bob? I can't believe he just said that. Well, that sounds like another show. <laughs> so we'll have to bring back Tyvis next week to settle the great quarterback debate. Uh, there's not one. I mean, Josh Allen is just a god. Wow. Simple fact. That is blasphemy. Turns out Joe Burrow is pretty good, too. Talked a lot about that. He's going to be playing on Sunday in the AFC Championship, and Josh Allen won't be. So, I don't know. Maybe that's another factor to play there. Matthew Stafford. <sighs> yeah. Over Josh Allen. Oh. Did you see that Did you see that great throw he made to Cooper Cup to, to ice the game? Yeah, it was a great. Detroit was holding him back for 12 years. was a good choice there. That was terrible. (laughs) That was terrible. I cannot believe he did (laughs) Even I know that. That's terrible. (laughs) So we could have kept going. We're not. We're going to get home before uh, the snow freezes in here, although we'd be fine because we've got a lot of fried mushrooms to eat ahead of Appetizer Tuesday. They're $2 at Roosters. Come get them. That's Bobby Carpenter, Tyvis Powell, Spencer Holbrook. I am Austin Ward. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Letterman Live at Roosters. We'll see you next week at a fun, casual joint. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.